Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this place. And it's good to be in his presence, isn't it? It's great to be here to worship him. You know, for 120 years, the Christian Missionary Alliance has had two major themes. And the first major theme is, is that the world is dying in their sins apart from God. And God has called us to do something about us. And so the, the middle name, we often say the middle name of the Christian and Missionary Alliance is missionary. And that's in our heart. That's in our blood. We want to send people all over the world to preach the gospel, to, to call people to repentance, to believe in Christ. But the other emphasis of the Christian and Missionary Alliance for the last 120 years has been the deeper walk in Christ. In other words, the, the, the spirit-filled walk with Christ, where God comes into us and creates a new being in us and creates a great passion in us. And, of course, that overflows into missions, into sharing the gospel with people. And so recently the Alliance has, has realized that we need some help in in uh, in having the deeper walk in our churches and uh, a lot of times we have allowed that passion for god and allowed the filling of the spirit to become kind of dormant or just something we talk a bit about but our desire is to bring new life to that and so uh, one of the things that our district has done is that they've hired kathy clausen and kathy clausen has been going around to churches and and helping in that whole development of the spiritual walk and uh, being being filled with the Spirit, being impassioned, and doing Spirit Encounter weekends and raising up prayer, because without prayer, how in the world are we ever going to be filled with the Spirit with power and go out and reach the nations? And so uh, Kathy Clausen has been working for our district for two years now. She used to work at First Alliance as a pastor there uh, for many years. And so we just want to welcome her this morning, and she's going to share the Word of God with us this morning. God bless you, Kathy. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Loved uh, being here over this last weekend. And for those of you that were part of the Holy Spirit encounter that we had, so just a, a blessed time together. If you got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be spending some time uh, in there. I'd actually like to talk about Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 4, but I promise not to read all four chapters to you. But you can do it on your own. Andrew McMillan, a man who, uh, who lived in Guatemala, and he tells this story in this book that he wrote called The Safest Place. He said he was out at a cafeteria or restaurant in Guatemala with a bunch of his friends, and, uh, you know, they were sitting at the table. There was about eight of them, and the waitress came over, and she gave, she filled everybody's cup of coffee but his, and then took off. And it kind of ticked him off a bit. He's like, like, what's wrong with me? Like, you know, did I not have a shower this morning or something? Like, I would like a cup of coffee too. And so finally, when the waitress came back, he asked her, he says, can I ask why you didn't fill my cup? And the waitress said, very simply, your cup was turned down. All the other cups were turned up. Many of us, we are in the body of Christ. We come to church every Sunday. 
And to the degree that we experience the fullness that God wants to give us has to do with our cup. Some of us sit there like this and we're going, okay, I'm coming, but wonder what the guy will say today. And in some ways, there's parts of us in the body of Christ where we have become kind of like two ships in the night. Have you ever lived with someone in your home? Maybe it's between you and your spouse or between you and your kids. And it's like you live in the same house. You even share the same name. But the sense of what we just talked about, the presence is not happening between you. Has that happened in your walk with God? Where Jesus lives in your life. The Holy Spirit is in your life. But are you like two ships in the night? We just came off our Holy Spirit weekend. What happened? Some of you might be wondering. Now what? Some of you were there. What can we expect? And I want to talk this morning about filled with the Holy Spirit, then what? Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to expect that the fruit of the Pentecost that happened in Acts chapter 2 is also the fruit that we are going to experience. It's the same spirit of the living God that lives with us. So I want to read to you a little bit of uh, Acts chapter 4, and then we're going to walk back and forth through this. But you know, in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 1, Pastor Bill talked about that last week, where they were waiting. The Lord asked them to wait, and so they were in a posture of prayer and waiting for the Spirit. They didn't really know what they were waiting for. They just knew they were to wait. And then chapter 2, the Spirit is poured out. Some bizarre things happen. Peter stands up, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives an explanation. And then Peter and John start just going through the normal motions of what they do. Three o'clock on an afternoon is when they would go to prayer time to the temple. So that's where they go. They just happen to notice a guy there that's blind or, yeah, no, he was lame. Sorry, not blind. And this man had been lame from birth. Jesus himself would have walked by that man numerous times on his way to the temple. But today, for some reason, was the day that that man was going to be healed. And so Peter and John, they feel the presence of the Spirit coming upon them. There's a connection. Pray for this man. He's instantly healed. And the man is leaping and praising God and freaking out kind of thing. And everybody around knows about this guy. So there's excitement in the town. And, you know, I would like to think that the church leaders would also get pretty excited about that. But let's see their reaction. Chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When the Spirit gets poured out afresh, what can we expect? One of the first things that we can expect is radically transformed lives. These disciples went from being huddled in fear in the upper room to standing up in front of Caiaphas and Annas and these other church leaders who were the same leaders that crucified, were involved in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it wasn't how many months before, even days before, that Peter was in their presence and he was denying the Lord. And now he's standing up in front of these very guys and testifying with boldness, very aware that his life could be taken. People looking on, they're shocked. When I was in university, I was an English major, and I remember they, uh, we studied a poet called John Donne, D-O-N-N-E. And this guy had been quite a, quite a loose-living kind of dude. And so we were studying his poetry, and a lot of his poetry was, was pretty erotic, like stuff you probably shouldn't read. And then this man had a conversion experience. And his poetry became so pure. In fact, he has this amazing poem called Battered My Heart, Three-Person God. That the, that the, um, these philosophers and that, they're looking on and they said, there must be two different John Duns. There's been such a transformation. There's no way that the guy who wrote this poetry can be the same guy who wrote this poetry. But brothers and sisters, when the Spirit of God comes into our lives and he has freedom to move, then we have entered into this transformation process where we can become like Jesus. And believe me, Kathy Clausen and Jesus, there's a huge difference. Transformed lives. Now, it doesn't mean we instantly change. Even Peter didn't instantly change. Later on in scriptures, we see there's a situation where the fear of man kind of creeps back into his life and he's kind of hanging out with the Jews. He's a little afraid of what they're going to think. And so he's, you know, he's kind of has, well, he acts one way with the church people and then acts a different way with the Gentiles. And Paul calls him on it. it takes time. It's a journey. 
Mabel Francis, a missionary to Japan, shares how after she was filled with the Spirit, she struggled with some of the same old conflicts that seemed to be coming back, and she wondered why. And then she came into this realization, and I've got the quote for you on the screen. The truth is that the Holy Spirit does not make us humanly perfect and does not guarantee that we will automatically spend the rest of our lives on a spiritual mountaintop. I think that many Christians honestly do not realize that the Spirit of God wants to show them their own self-life as God sees it. There cannot be full spiritual victory within any individual who is not willing to deal with that ugly life of self, applying God's own prescription of complete identification with the death of Christ. One of the Holy Spirit's roles in your when he comes to live in is to start making himself at home in you and start maybe doing some closet cleaning or starting to point out some areas. And for some of us, one of the reasons we've turned our cup down is because we're like, okay, I want you in my life. I want my fire insurance because I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not letting you go into that cupboard. And then we wonder why we're not experiencing the fullness and the power and the joy of the Lord. There's no resurrection power without death. Death is not something we choose. Humboldt, Saskatchewan has been devastated. The death that's hit this community that's not only rocked them, but it's rocked the whole nation of Canada. I believe a very similar impact was what rocked the disciples when Jesus was crucified. It was like Jesus was taken out in his prime. They were devastated. They didn't want to go around healing people anymore. Let's go fishing. It was out of this depth that Jesus came and was resurrected. Some of you have been following the news and one of the moms from Humboldt was told that her son had died only to find out that he hadn't. And she said this. When they called her and told her that her son was actually alive, she said, I think in some ways this news was more shocking than the accident. She said, I wish all 14 set of parents could wake up tomorrow and be told there's been a mistake. You see, we don't truly long for resurrection until we have faced death. And the incredible message of the gospel is just that, that Jesus raised from the dead that there is hope. The coach of this team, Darcy Halligan, some of you might have seen something that was posted on Facebook. His wife already giving testimony to the glory of God. This man, every night, he would tuck his sons into bed and he would read scriptures to them and then he would say, I don't care if you never play hockey. I don't care if you ever go to university. All I care about is that you follow Jesus. And the woman said she got so tired. She said, come on, you say that to them every night. Like, can't you come up with something, you know, unique? Like, aren't they getting kind of bored? And she said, now I know why. And she said, I say to those boys, 
He told us to follow Jesus and we're going to follow Jesus because we're going to see our daddy once more because of the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, many of us believe in the resurrection power of the Lord in our heads, but have we allowed it to sink into our hearts? That marriage that you're struggling with, Your co-worker at work that's driving you crazy. Perhaps your own situation where you feel like you've just hit a plateau and you don't know what the next thing is. There's only one reason we don't experience more of the power of the resurrection Lord in our life. And it is certainly not because Jesus hasn't risen. But it's because we haven't turned our cup up. Perhaps like the man in the coffee shop this morning, you're angry and bitter because things have not gone your way. Like the disciples, you had a plan that God, this was going to happen or that was going to happen. And it just, you know, maybe you married Mr. Wonderful and he turned out to be Mr. Normal. And maybe it's been tough. Maybe you got so excited about having kids and you had kids and you laid down all your goals and whatever and now these kids have taken off and they're doing their own thing and they could care less about you. And so there's a little bit of anger and bitterness in your heart towards God. And you know what? God can take it. God can take it. He wants you to be gut level honest with him about what's going on in your heart. When we face our own deadness, whatever it is, when we become willing to surrender and say, God, I can't fix myself. I can't fix my husband. I can't fix my kids. I can't change the unemployment statistics in Ottawa. But I know you. I remember one person, a pray, a prayer warrior. Someone asked him to pray for a job for them. And this is how he prayed. Well, God, you're the creator. You love to make things out of nothing. So would you just find a job for this dear woman out of nothing? And sure enough, the job just got showed up. I think God is waiting for us to say, come Lord, come, I'm turning my cup over in this area in my life. I want to see you move because I believe with all my heart, the same Jesus that raised the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. As we just sang. So what happened at the first Pentecost? What happened at the first Pentecost is lives were radically changed. The second thing that we see that happened is there was the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ was made manifest. I found it so interesting reading actually from Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 5, seven different times there's a declaration about they were preaching about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were called to give witness to the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples were called to be witnesses. They had visually seen Jesus alive. They had seen him die. And now they had seen him risen. 
And when the spirit came on them, all of a sudden, then they also had the resurrection power that came and raised up the deadness in them. I think the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ is like we're dead. We have the spirit of God, but I think God is saying, come on, guys. I'm waiting on you. The disciples, what does it say in chapter, you know, they go on from their uh, passage that I read to you and then it keeps going and the, the Sanhedrin says, well, we're not sure what to do. The people really like these guys, but we want them to stop preaching. So we're going to tell them to stop preaching. And what do the disciples say? We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. When you experience the power of God in your life through a healing and through setting you free from an area of sin you've been struggling with, you cannot help but share it. The scripture also says the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's interesting to me that when it talks about Peter preaching here, it's not like he had a week to prepare these sermons. Stuff just happened that he'd never seen before. And all of a sudden, what does it say? And Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. A.B. Simpson, the founder of this denomination, the message that he is most known for is called himself. And you can Google it. Just Google himself by A.B. Simpson. And it's a profound anointed message that he never prepared, but he was on the platform when they had some kind of a convention and there was an issue that was being raised and he stood up and just filled with the spirit. He spoke. Some of you are at your workplace and you're like, I don't know how to share my faith. But when you're filled with the spirit, it's not like, yes, we need courses. Those things help us. But the Spirit of God knows exactly what the person in the cubicle next to you needs to hear. But God is waiting for us to press in. We did a Holy Spirit encounter not too long ago in Kingston. And on my way driving up to Kingston, I was listening to a song by Kim Walker called Healing Oil. And as I was listening to this song, I just felt like the Lord say to me, I want you to pray for healing for the person whose house you're staying with. Now, she was a friend of mine. She's about 80 years old. I knew she had some ailments. I didn't know all of them. But I got there and I found out she was in worse shape than I thought. She'd wrecked her back. Numbness was coming up her legs. And she was kind of under a fog. So I stayed with her. And so I said to her, I said, you know, I think I just sense I'm you know, can I pray for you for healing? I felt like Jesus was asking me to do that. What, you know, what's anybody going to say? No. So she said, yes, I prayed for her, but I kind of just felt like she didn't go anywhere. So, you know, you never push. It's God's ministry. You just obey. So went and did the encounter and I'm driving back to Kingston. And But one thing I do is when God asks me to do something and it doesn't seem to work, then I take it up with him. I'm like, okay, Lord, you asked me to do this. Nothing happened. What's going on? And immediately I just heard in my spirit, she doesn't believe. I'm like, okay, well, I know this woman quite well. So when I got home, I sent her a sweet little email because I know her. And I said, I was praying about this. And I just felt like the Lord said, he wants you to step out and to believe. 
So she wrote me back an email and she said, well, I understand, but I think it's really good. You know, I have a Bible study of a bunch of women, women, and, and they're really going through difficult times. So I think it's really important that I'm kind of suffering myself because it really helps me understand them. So I thought, okay, Lord, my job's done. I'm the next day. I get this email from this woman. She said, oh my goodness. She says, in my quiet time, the Lord just convicted me. Who am I to say I don't want to receive his healing power? She says, I repented right away. And then the next day, I got a text from her. She's a pretty cool grandma, 80 years old. She sends texts. And I get this text from her that says, I was in the shower and all of a sudden I was cleaning the side and I noticed my shoulder was completely better. And then she said, all of a sudden the numbness in my legs disappeared. And my daughter said, mom, it's like this cloud has lifted right off you. And this woman had felt so ill that she didn't even come to the seminar with me when we were in Kingston. And now just recently she got on the bus by herself from Kingston all the way to Toronto to visit her son. The power of the Spirit is available to us, brothers and sisters. But God is sometimes saying, how badly do you want it? Are you going to press in? Are you going to press in? Now, God doesn't always heal in the way that we expect. But I believe that we keep asking until he tells us to stop. We keep believing. I was talking to someone yesterday in the seminar and they've had years of back pain. And I just said, you know, I just sense the Lord wants you to just every chance you get, pray for healing for other people. You be this testimony. You know what she said to me? She said, I have experienced such intimacy with the Lord in this situation that there's part of me that's afraid if I get healed, will I lose that intimacy? Do you know there are persecuted church people who have been in prison and they have experienced the presence of God so powerfully that when they got out of prison and were set free, they actually longed to be back in prison to experience the presence of God. Do we want Jesus more than our comfort? Yes, he can heal us. But his presence is bigger and more. The resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other thing we see is rebirth. Souls were saved. Friday night at this Holy Spirit encounter, there was a woman that came to the Lord. The scripture says daily people were added to their fellowship. But the other thing that the Bible clearly shows us is that when you start moving out in the power of the Holy Spirit, resistance will come. Resistance will come from the least expected places. In this case, it came from the church leaders. People who should know better. And they were ordered to stop preaching in Jesus' name. It's a painful reality. How do we get ready? You know, in Ephesians 6, it says we need to be able to stand when the day of evil comes. Get ready so that you can stand. And so part of that is we stay close to the body of believers. We be part of a small group. We pray. We read the scriptures. We regularly be asked to be filled with the spirit. But we don't just expect, oh, well, things didn't go my way, so the spirit must have left me. 
God is raising up his church and he's empowering us so we will be a force to be reckoned with. Look at how these disciples pray. Verse 23, on their release, they get released out of prison. They get told not to preach anymore. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. You can't go it alone. You can't go it alone. You need people in close that will walk with you that share your walk. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. And then it goes down, verse 27. Indeed, Herod Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I think there was a little bit of honesty in there. They're saying, God, we made it through this one, but we need a fresh filling from the spirit to have more boldness to keep going. And then I love this. Stretch out your hand to heal. The girl we just prayed over who's in the hospital. You know, right now we pray, Jesus, stretch out your hand to heal. You want to join me? Let's do it right now. Let's just not talk about it. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Stretch out your hand, Lord, to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. Holy Servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, what does it say? The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There was resistance, but they didn't quit. It is a battle. It's not easy being a Christian. It's tough. But we don't have to walk in defeat. And you see, they needed to be regularly filled with the Spirit. You know, the scripture in Ephesians says, be filled with the Spirit. This continual action. And it's actually a command to be filled. Put yourself in a place where you're turning your cup around afresh or your cup's empty and saying, Spirit of the living God, I need a fresh filling for today. What will the Eastgate Pentecost look like? I don't know why you were called Eastgate. I have a feeling it has to do with something about the east gate of the temple where the glory of God was. There were four kinds of people at the cross. There were four kinds of people at Pentecost. And I expect today there are four kinds of people here. As the Spirit desires to come in your midst and move in fresh ways, which one of these will you be? Those who receive Not because they're any more spiritual, but they're desperate. They just know that if you, I can't do it. I need him. And then there's the curious observers. You know, the script, the scriptures actually say in Acts chapter two, they were kind of bewildered, perplexed. In fact, one of the definitions of the Greek word means they were thrown into confusion. 
So when the Spirit of God comes in power, some people are looking on. They're not sure. They're kind of confused. And then there's the third group of people who just ridicule. Oh, those people who meet for prayer every night. What's with them? Why don't they get a real job? Those people that claim they have these gifts or whatever. What's that? What's with that? And then there are those who outright, like the priests and the Sadducees, just refuse to believe because it doesn't fit into their doctrinal box. Is your cup turned up this morning? Is your cup turned up this morning? You know, people that have been involved in revivals where there's been a fresh outpouring of the Spirit, they said there's three characteristics that seem to be in the people that get filled with the Spirit. I kind of call it a new wineskin. What does it look like? The first one is humility. A deep awareness of my own inadequacy and desperate need for Jesus. Are you wrestling with some kind of addiction nobody knows about? And you're wrestling and you're trying hard. And God just says, I know you can't fix it, but I can. Are you willing to come to that deep awareness of your own inadequacy? And humble yourself and say you have a need. The second trait is hunger. There's just a deep desire for more of God and whatever is needed to become a victorious Christian. Because you see, when you're really, really hungry, you're not picky about what you eat. When you're really hungry, you eat what's set before you. And then the third thing is just a desire to honor God with your life. To bring glory to Him. We're going to close with a couple of songs. And we give you, want to give you an opportunity to respond. Just take some time to be still. As I prayed about this sermon and I said, Lord, what, what is it that you want me to share? Immediately what came into my spirit is that old hymn. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. Like the woman at the well I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. But then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never shall run dry. There are millions in this world who are craving the pleasures earthly things afford, but none can match the wondrous treasure that I find in Jesus Christ my Lord. So my brother and sister, if the things this world gave you leaves hungers that won't pass away, My blessed Lord will come and save you if you kneel to him and humbly pray. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you. Some of you are here and you maybe have never ever come up to this altar before. 
And maybe today is the day that God is saying, I want you to come. Some of you, you've been up here every time there's been a call. And God just says, come again. I don't know what's going on in your hearts, but while we're worshiping, if the Lord is stirring your heart and you want to take a fresh stand in Jesus this morning, I want to give you the opportunity. Thank you.